0: Welcome everyone to JCB Art Studios season 6. My name's Joanna and for first time listeners I see the listeners popping up in my uh, analytics there. Um, I'm the author of The Unraveling and Dealers Child and Spy Girls is coming March 2024 20, it's coming okay So today I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm excited about this podcast. I have multi-published author Kim Herdman Shapiro with me, and we're going to talk about the first novel in her Winter Island cozy mystery series, The Raven's Cry. Kim has so many interesting stories. Um, she She worked as a journalist in Canada for many years with experience in both print and broadcast journalism. Her book, Gelato with the Pope, which I want to read, highlights her time as a syndicated travel columnist in the 90s. In addition to her travel column, she has written feature articles for numerous publications, edited a monthly children's publication in British Columbia, and had her poetry published in Do Wales Jump at Night a Canadian anthology of children's poetry. She won a Microsoft Network Award for Best Website for Footloose, one of the first digital e-zines on the internet. For the past eight years, she has been working on her video project, What the Hell is a Took?, which I think is so cool, and it chronicles her travels with her sons from Newfoundland to Vancouver Island and north to the Canadian Arctic. I haven't I I haven't even I haven't even been across Canada. That's something I want to do. Kim is also a board member of Sisters in Crime New England. She lives in New Hampshire with her husband, two saw, two sons and three dogs. Kim, thank you first cuz I know I've had to reschedule this podcast and I am so glad We've made it happen. Thank you.
1: (laughs) That's okay, Joanna. Thank you for having me. It's, you know, it's summertime. Everything gets a little crazy in summertime. Schedules get moved around a lot.
0: Yeah. And I didn't think I was a social person. And then I'm looking at my calendar thinking, oh my gosh, people want to see me. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? (laughs)
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay. Your book, we start with Winter Island, BC the map. I love the map. I, you know, this is so cool. I Mm. see maps in fantasy novels. So when I saw this map in your book, I'm like, yes. So first (laughs) just talk to me about the map.
1: Well, as, as you know, I'm an artist as well as an author. And so it was kind of fun to meld the two techniques together. Um, and also, I think I enjoy a map because it makes everything really concrete. You Sometimes you can kind of go, where is that? Oh, I'm going to look at the map and it's going to tell me exactly where Kate's Cottage is and exactly where the police station is. And um, I actually have a whole set of new maps for book two, which is coming out next spring. So I, I guess apparently I'm becoming a map maker as well as an author. <laughs> That is so cool.
0: So cool. Ah, oh, so well,
1: it's, <laughs> it's also because Winter Island is a pastiche of a bunch of the Gulf Islands, so it 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 is not real. I don't. You would not believe the number of journalists who have said to me, "We've looked on the map. We've looked on Google. There is no Winter Island. Where is it?" And I have to say, that's because it was made up. <laughs> Well, that just ties into what I
0: was thinking. Um, was this, was Winter Island inspired by other coastal islands, but you said it's a, a mesh
1: of? It, it It is. It's kind of a blend of salt spring, but it's mainly Pender. The people on, I've got family and friends who live on Pender and I've uh, visited many times. And I also get the the inside gossip from them, which kind of feeds into my sense of what the community' is like. Um, Penderites will definitely recognize Winter Island as Pender Island. Oh, that
0: is so cool. Yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so first, before I go off on a tangent, can you give us a summary of what the Raven's Cry is about?
1: The Raven's Cry is about a young Canadian journalist, Kate Zoe Thomas, who has done very well in her career. She's now working for PBS and is based as a segment producer in Afghanistan for one of their news shows. She's fallen in love with a a fellow journalist and everything is going great until it isn't. And her world falls apart on many different levels. And it's that sense, I think, that a lot of us get when things really hit rock bottom, what do we do? And for her, that was to return to Canada, but a whole new job, a whole new life on this little island off the coast of British Columbia.
0: Yeah, yeah. And gosh, that sure leads into the the paragraph I'd like to read. And then maybe you can talk to me a little bit about about Kate, your protagonist. You know, it's I like I I'm just going to read it and yeah, so listeners can pick up on I'm, I'm hope like what I picked up. Okay, now I'm gonna try to read this and not stutter or anything like that. I met her gaze with an unblinking stare that said very clearly how I felt. Yes, it mattered. It mattered a great deal. I tried to steady my trembling hand, but I was unable to to stop the small ripples traveling across the surface of my coffee. She watched them lap up against the far rim of my mug, her smile slowly tipping downward. I can just see it.
1: I can just see
0: (laughs) it. And... Oh, you know, like you can have the action and you can have, I'm not saying like all of us, we, you know, write the action. I'm thinking of water and Jupiter and I'm not giving anything away, <laughs> but I like the little things just like that.
1: Right? Oh, where, good. I'm glad. Where
0: you're seeing and you know she's not doing well. So is that what like Zoe? So tell tell us about tell us about Kate Zoe Thomas.
1: Well, she it's hard without going into too much. I don't want to give away too much of the story as well, but water is a an underlying kind of theme throughout the book um and i am a huge believer in writing what you know uh, especially as a journalist as a columnist um people could tell if i was faking it or calling it in yeah. you know and uh the reason that i brought water as both danger and also transformation is um because i drowned when i was 6 years old so and i was resuscitated on the pool deck So that was I wanted right at the beginning when I was starting to plan out this mystery series, I wanted that to be a part of it because I knew what that felt like. Yeah. And I it was a it was a trauma that I knew how to write and also how to come out the other side of. So that's why it becomes, you know, for some it it means that they don't survive for some they do survive um and for others it's like a rebirth so it it kind of goes the spectrum of all the symbolism of water that you can come up with <laughs> that's fascinating
0: whoa because i i really did get the sense of water and well i live on vancouver island
1: and <laughs> yes. where
0: you know i walk down the street i see water you know if right. i want to get off this island i have to go across the ferry you know, it, it. I drive to Victoria. I drive home. I'm on the Malahat. I reach the summit. I see water. Right. Interesting. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow!
1: <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I didn't expect that answer. <laughs> Well, it was funny. I was discussing it with my husband when I was thinking about this. Should I talk about this? And and I haven't talked about it a lot in in the press. But if a direct question kind of comes about the water, yeah, I think it's it's fair to be honest and for people to also go, oh, she does get what that feels like. That was really coming from the heart when she's talking about that panic and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, Kim, thank you for sharing that. And I'm I'm so glad you came out the other side. At, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Last, okay. Now, I should have asked you this, how you pronounce the First Nation. I, I don't want to attempt it because I don't want to. Uh, how do you pronounce the First Nations, their first name? It it's, is, I believe, Sowout. Sowout. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. And they are one of the five nations that are um, part of the Salish Nation. No, Saanich Nation. Yes, that's oh. it, the Saanich Nation. Um, and they have uh, predominantly kind of East Sydney area, but also some on some of the Gulf Islands. They have uh, land and reserves there. Yeah.
0: Good. Because when we lived in Victoria, we lived in the, an area called Central Sanage.
1: Oh yeah. So so, yes, yeah.
0: Reading this book, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, so I'm I'm going to read another a small section. Like I said, just feeding right into this. Like I said, I enjoyed reading. Yeah, I'm just okay. I'm going to read. I'm already starting to read. Here's the paragraph. I enjoyed reading the colorful sign when they head to Sawout Reserve number 9 you are now entering the property of the Sawout First Nations our members are exercising their Douglas Treaty rights as defined in the treaty between James Douglas Douglas and the Saanich tribes signed on February 11th 1852 like i said so much of this i was excited to read about so if you want to talk about this a bit and how did it tie into the research for this novel or and or just talk to me about your research?
1: Well, it it um I wanted having grown up, you know, and having family on the island and and growing up in Vancouver and Richmond, one of the suburbs and um You know, the sense, the connection between First Nations peoples and the land is so important. And I didn't want to miss that from the work. I wanted there to be something in there. It's difficult because I've actually had a number of people say to me, oh, I wanted the book to be more about the First Nations characters. And I said, I understand that, but that's not my story to tell. So um I it is something that I research, but they are secondary characters. Um and what comes into play, which I hope comes into play with all of my characters, is they're people. Mm-hmm. And they're people who love, hate, fight, whatever, relationships. And as part of their greater personality, is where they come from and what they believe and things like that. So I don't dive too much into it because I don't feel that that's really the best path for me to go as an author, Yeah, but it is definitely included. And the reason why that the sign is there is to remind people, I, I actually saw a sign just like that, but it's to remind people, um, you know, that the tribe is there and they've been there an awfully long time. Yeah. And they deserve to be respected. That's yes. what I felt when I saw the sign that I copied into the book. It was that sense of stop, take a moment, realize where you are, and show some respect.
0: Yes. And when I was putting the questions together, I had written one thing down and then I took it out. But just with what you had said about the First Nations, their story, Not being your story to tell. I remember when I worked at the office of the legislative council, I was a regulations document analyst. It sounds really boring. I actually really, really, really enjoyed the dog, the the dog, the dog, the job. (laughs) It was a lot of reading. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I remember at one workshop because some of our regulations had First Nations names and it was getting the aboriginal fonts that's what they were called right so, yeah so it, they would it would be in certain regulations and de- depicted correctly and one workshop i remember we went to uh an individual had at a first nations individual had said that what they found was it was their stories being edited by a non-aboriginal person. Yeah. And they go they would they had said, the stories are being lost or misrepresented, you know, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and it was having First Nations editor edit. First Nation story you know
1: Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah oh and it, does, it does make it very complicated for authors when you when you want to have some representation of that culture yeah but you don't want to step too much into it in the sense that you know once again we don't need to have another non-native person telling their stories exactly exactly yeah. exactly yeah. all right
0: okay now. When Kate begins to tell her friends why she escaped to Winter Island, you right here, you know, you're always aware of the fact that Afghanistan is a dangerous place, but you forget it's also a country where people work, have fun and go about their daily lives. Sometimes, When things have been quiet for a while, you can trick yourself into believing you are safer than you really are. And So my little spidey senses are like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So I was wondering two things. One was, have you traveled to Afghanistan and have you experienced this false sense of security? And if you haven't traveled to Afghanistan, where have you traveled that, yes, you may have experienced what Kate has
1: just described? Well, I have not traveled to Afghanistan. Okay. So, um, but I have, when I was working as a, a journalist, I one episode in particular that I think feeds a lot of this is that I was in Belfast um, before the start of what was the Brooke Mayhew talks, which was the lead up towards what would become the good Friday peace accord. And so it was very tense when I was in Belfast, there had been a bombing at a, at a Royal military base. And um, as I said, it was tense and I because i i don't know exactly why but perhaps because of my nice red hair um i passed for a local and i was in one of the catholic parts of belfast and i was taking photos of some of the murals but it looked like i was taking a photo of one of the police stations
0: okay which
1: apparently um ira would do as a kind of reconnaissance to plan how they might plan bombs or something like that anyway um i had uh the the british army stop and put a submachine gun to the side of my head oh my god <laughs> so it, it is interesting that feeling of of you get used to it. I spent a fair bit of time there and I got to know people and it's a lovely city with a great, the people have a great kind of fun character and you do kind of slip into forgetting how close you are to being in a volatile situation. And that was a perfect example. And I had to, uh, as soon as I talked, they realized, but I had to say, don't do anything stupid. Yeah. And as soon as they heard my accent, they went... You know, so I showed them my press pass and explained the situation. They let me go. Yeah. Um, but uh, that was quite something to have a submachine gun put to the side of your head. That that really brings you back to the present moment pretty quickly. <laughs> Holy smokes. Oh, yeah.
0: my gosh.
1: <laughs>
0: Again, you know, I, I put these questions together and. Why I've had some people say to me, Oh, do you want the answers? And I'm like, No, no, because I want to experience what the listeners are going to experience. Right. And, yeah. you know, and sometimes I'm very hard on myself about my questions. Right. But <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> Cam. <Kim>. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So with. Your novel. What I am enjoying—it's um, the the plot lines that emerge involving Daniel, and so we have Daniel and his contact in Kabul, and the character uh, who's involved with his, his, Daniel's contact, Nazir Sharif. Yes. Okay. And I was wondering and thinking of um, of your heroine, Kate. -hmm. And I was wondering what came first when you were putting the story together. Um, Was it like Daniel's plot line and what happens with his connection in with Nazir, or is was it Kate's story that started first? With and I have here like the prominence of the water. Like did did one come first? Did one okay thinking of water? Did one surface first over the other?
1: Well, the I am a big outliner. Um a lot of the fellow mystery authors I don't know how you feel about this but um a lot of them are pantsers which is code for just kind of letting things happen. I am absolutely not that person. Yeah. <laughs> I outline everything and that's part of why um I think my stories can be so complicated um I really want it to be a very complicated puzzle because I don't want people to read it and go oh it's so and so I want you to right to the end going oh is it this is it this is it this person um and so I actually start pretty much at the end and work back oh wow yeah so I have my victim and where they end up so I knew that it was going to be Daniel on the island yeah, And it was going to be relatively soon after Kate arrived. Yeah, And I had to figure out before I wrote anything, how that could have happened to and make it at all plausible. Yeah. So I had to create all of that backstory first, so that I knew exactly how Daniel had got there before I even started to outline the rest of it. But that was all very clear before I started to write, because I think even if you're not aware that you're doing it, you're leaving little hints. And just because in your mind, you know where the story's going, subtle little things that people will look back and say, oh, you said this. I went, oh, yeah, I guess I did. I didn't realize that. But you see, of course, I knew where the story was going. Yeah. And that's that's how I like to do it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I will say I was a pantser.
1: Yes, pantser, Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. The f- the first two books, I was a pantser. The third book, I was a pantser. But it got it got complicated, and I after like with spy girls, I thought Mm-mm, I'm not doing this again. So <laughs> I have learned from other authors and talking with them that what they'll do is they will plot, let's say the first half of the book and they'll just leave a little bit like the other half to see how it unfolds. So I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah, that, that, that I could do. Right. And it's, it's interesting what you said about readers mentioning to you about finding little clues because I have the, like the, uh, some people call them line edits some call them the copy edits right i have them back and you know my editor just pointed out to me she goes no don't don't it was the word supposed i had used right. and she said take this out don't give it away right, right. don't even right. hint at it you know and i thought oh yes right <laughs> delete <Dilly. laughs> yeah. you know it's like Ooh, but yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah oh, Okay, so like I'm I am an island girl born, raised, now retired on Vancouver Island. Uh, we've mentioned this, I mentioned this in the intro. You've been able to do something which I have yet to do. And one day I am going to put my foot in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh. So can you please explain to our listeners? what the motivation was behind what the hell is a toque and what was your biggest surprise
1: you learned about canada um the the reason behind what the hell is a toque is that my boys were growing up here in new england and with an american father and me obviously a canadian mother and they did have little visits to see family but um, the thing with the United States it is such a huge country with so many different areas and climates or whatever, it becomes very insular. Okay. It, it is its own kind of world. Yeah. And I wanted the kids to experience something other than that okay. and to see how other people think, how other people live. Um, for, because I think this generation that's come up, sees the world almost like on a screen they see things virtually as opposed to actually experiencing them yeah and by actually going and going through all these places and just the weird crazy stories and things that happen when you place yourself in these these situations and the people you meet and um it it helps them learn Not only about themselves, but I learn help them learn to be. I would say more accepting of others, more understanding of all these very different viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. So did okay did you or did your boys have any big surprises when they were when during your travels?
1: Well, I would say one of the funniest stories was in the um, Maritimes. And we were actually going to uh, the mines at um, Spring Hill, Nova Scotia. Yeah. And um, we were driving along the highway up from Halifax. And um, we pulled off into the side to get a, a drink and a donut or something. And we saw a dog walking right down the middle of the road. Yeah. So I'm a huge animal lover. So I pulled off, got the dog in our van. And then walked into Tim Hortons there and, you know, asked if, you know, does anybody recognize this dog that's in my car? And everybody said no. And so I got back in and I drove down to the RCMP, which wasn't manned. So there's a little telephone that you pick up and put your ear and it connects you to an operator. And I said, well, I, I don't know what the Humane Society or SPCA or hours or anything, but I'm here in the middle of Nova Scotia with a dog. And um so they said, well, give me your cell number. And a and a constable called me back and he said, uh, where are you going? And and I explained and he said, Oh, I'll meet you there. That's more convenient than me driving all the way back to where you were. So we just turned the van around, got back on the highway and headed up towards the mines. Unbeknownst to us, the owner was not very far behind us. He walks into the Tim Hortons and says, has anybody seen my dog? And everybody says, yes, it was taken by some Americans in a van. <laughs> and they headed they headed north on the highway. We don't know what's happened to your dog. So the, the man panics and he calls the RCMP. And they connect him to the only constable that's on duty, which is the same one that's driving to see us. And he finally gets through to me. He said, Somebody, Americans have stolen my dog. And I don't know what's going on. I don't know what. And the gospel the starts laughing. He told us this afterwards. He's like, he said, they were saving your dog's life. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're not stealing your dog. I'm actually going to meet them at the mines. Yeah. Get your dog and I will bring it home. And the guy said, Oh, maybe you should thank them then. <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. Yes. Yes. So we, uh, we had fun driving around Nova Scotia with a strange dog, (laughs) (laughs) but he eventually found his way home. So that was good.
0: Oh, that is good. That's very good.
1: Yeah. Uh, Now I
0: don't get a lot of authors and artists who are both. You create art. I create art. Um, I just came from uh, on the weekend. I volunteered at the Lady Smith Art Gallery, and uh, I would. We were having this this discussion about art at the gallery, and I said I have more art I want to create than I do time. Yes. So I was wondering, do you find it? And I'll say it's a like a wonderful tug of war um, to have, devoting time to writing and art or you know and and how do you balance what you're going to do
1: um writing is my first love yeah um, so um it comes a step above the painting and yeah. uh but I find that you know it's difficult to balance anything in life whether it's you know things that you enjoy whether it's your children or your job or Getting the dinner on the table and all those other things, um, I try to keep both going because I think they, shall we say, itch different scratches. They yeah. um, they fulfill me in different artistic and creative ways. So I think it's important for me to try and have both in my life. Yeah, uh, but definitely the certainly as far as time is concerned, the one that that wins is the writing yeah so what medium do you use with the art i painted watercolors for a long time and then i transferred to the ipad and i do procreate so i do digital oh, wow. yeah and the reason for that is i had five animals storming around our house and two boys so you can imagine what would happen with, and so I literally had to stop painting for a while because it was constantly getting knocked over or kids coming over and sticking their hand on my my paper. And, and then I stumbled over the fact that you can really paint virtually with Procreate um, and actually have them professionally printed onto proper watercolor painting paper. Oh. And that means I can do it anywhere. Yeah. I don't have to worry about messy paints, I don't have to worry about brushes and water and all that. It I uh, just got back from Toronto visiting family and I'm painting in the airport. Yeah. You know, you can do it anywhere. So I love it.
0: Okay. Because that's the thing I found. I took a watercolor class and I'm not a painter. I know that for sure because I, it goes with um, what you're saying. I have my drawing book, uh, s- different sizes, sketchbooks, and I, I sit and I draw, that's what I do, I draw. And uh, I remember sometimes when I did work full time and I'd have a lunch break, if I was work, so if I was working on a, a, sp- a specific piece, my art is 11 by 14 inches, I draw first, and then when it comes time to add the color, I use the Copic markers.
1: Oh, right. Yes. So
0: that you can transport, right? Because it's not paints, it's not water. I tell you, Kim, that painting class I took with watercolors, I am so used to drawing and that control that I remember when I held the paintbrush and the instructor was behind me and she said, don't choke down so much on paintbrush right I'm like okay she goes loose and I'm like "Ah." (laughs) I don't know like "Ah." (laughs) right I just it was it's so different which is really neat but to reckon like you know what and then that's when I recognized I thought no you're you're not you're not a painter you you like too much the control the control
1: of it yes yeah Yeah, you've got to have once again it's that kind of thing if you try and control it too much with painting my I feel it lacks emotion because it's so constrained yeah but you have to kind of be able to to let go with it okay. and sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't work <laughs> yeah and um you know that's another thing with doing it on the on the iPad is that it doesn't work you just erase delete you know and they'll open up a fresh kind of uh fresh piece of watercolor paper on your iPad and so i'm a big proponent of that i think it's great that is so cool okay okay <laughs> okay so just
0: wrapping it up our internet is just hanging in there um, okay let's say and this is one question i always enjoy asking um let's pretend you bump into your protagonist, you bump into Kate on the spirit, spirit, the spirit of Sanich, And let's say you're both waiting to walk off the ferry, your walk-ons, okay? Now, given what she's gone through, what would she say to you when you two bump into each other waiting to walk off? And And what would you say back to her?
1: I would probably because, you know, especially going through the you know in between the islands going is so beautiful so gorgeous yeah. um i would probably make some comment about the fact that i very you know isn't it beautiful i very rarely get here anymore which is true yeah. you know that this is my this was my past yeah and i would hope that she would look at it much much younger than i am and look at it and go well this is my future and we would have that, you know, looking at the same thing, which is the beauty of the islands. Yeah. And I would recognize it at my age as that is my past. I, other than going there to, to visit, I'm there rather infrequently. Um, but for her, that's her new life. So yeah. I would hope that she would say, well, this is actually my future. This is where I'm restarting my life. Yeah. What a great answer.
0: That's, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay. So what's next for you? Um, and we're not making any plans. I was reading on your blog. We do not make plans. <laughs> right? yeah. 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 And like I said, I really want to read Gelato with the Pope. But anyways, what's 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 new? What can you tell us is new with you?
1: Uh, well, book two of the Winter Island Mystery Series is at the publisher. Uh, it's called The Loon Song. And it will be out March of twenty four. God willing, knock on wood, whatever. Um, And I am already plotting out book three. I've got a three book contract for that series, but I am actually starting out writing a second series. Nice. Which is instead of being um, based in Canada, it's more about the 25 years that I've lived here in a small village in, in New Hampshire. So it's very much about that. Kind of small village life, but it does go back to my past in the sense that I put myself through university as a BCTEL radio operator. Oh wow! So we handled all of the non, you know, non-lined uh, calls. So all the isolated parts, the re- reserves, the fishing camps, the logging camps, and and that meant we dealt with a lot of emergency situations. I'm taking the feel of that and putting it into a young woman working as a police dispatcher in a small New Hampshire town. And that sense of the mix of, you don't really know what's going to come in and you have to be able to think clearly. And of course, being in a small town where you know, everybody, it doesn't just end when you hang up, when she gets, hangs up the telephone, it then becomes the broader mystery of, how this emergency happened and how she becomes entangled with it that's Thank really you. cool
0: because um before we started recording we were talking about nurses and with this anthology uh, anthology of um i guess you would call them personal essays written by nurses you know you you learn about um uh, it, uh, it's all about icu nurses and you're learning about uh different patients and what the nurse does. And there was one story there at the end. I'm like, what happened to the patient? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It just, you know, and I'm, oh yeah. That's good. Like uh, that just what you said about after you hang up the call, it doesn't like
1: no. it's not over. No. Oh. Oh. No. Okay. So then then it becomes well, I won't go into too much detail because yeah. I don't want to give things away. But uh yeah, it does how she becomes involved in it. And then oh. it, it then becomes the entangled with the locals. And I love the, the aspect of cozies. My, my books, I call them modern cozies because they're usually small settings where, where you have a lot of characters, but people have sex, they smoke, they swear. So yeah. it's, it's not, you know, the traditional cozy. Yeah, uh, but I love that because it gives you that body of different people to bounce things off of in the work. Yeah, cool. Yeah.
0: All right, this has been so cool. Okay, so fascinating. Uh, I like I said, um, I love it when I am surprised with answers, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm really glad we were able to make this happen, Kim. Thank you. So oh, am I. Thank you very much for having me, Joanna. Yeah. And people, the final thing I've been working on, doing the final edits, I've sent it off to a lady who's a, who worked on magazines for 10 years. Sam Magazine will be coming out online beginning of September. I'm very busy these next two weeks. So, but it is coming. Okay. So Kim, have a good day. Thank you.
1: Bye-bye.